So, well, last week uh, I started a new series of messages entitled Grace and Truth, and we saw from the life and ministry of Jesus how grace has to be the foundation for truth. Today, I want to look at three very important questions. Uh, number one, what is truth? Number two, where do we get our truth? And number three, what do we do with truth? A little over 2,000 years ago, Jesus, the Son of God, uh, bloodied and bruised, was standing before Pontius Pilate. And he said this in John 18, 37. He said, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And in response, Pilate asked Jesus a very profound question. He says, What is truth? What is truth? And after he had said this, the Bible says he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. Right? What is truth? Dictionary.com defines truth as this, the true or actual state of a matter, a verified or indisputable fact, proposition, principle, or the like. Is truth important? Sure it is. Right? Uh, when you think about it, you and I live according to what we believe is true, right? You are here today, sitting in these pews, because you believe that we are having a service at 10 o'clock today, right? And you're here today in a Christian church because you believe Christianity to be the truth. And no matter how many Jehovah's Witnesses or how many Mormons knock on your door, or however many uh, Richard Dawkins or Stephen Hawking's uh, say that there is no God, you believe it to be true that there is a loving Creator God who sent His Son into the world to reveal His love and to die on the cross for our sins, right? That is why you're here. So, whether you sat down today in these pews believing that they would hold you up, or whether you spent time in worship in a service here today, what we believe to be true absolutely shapes our lives each and every day, doesn't it? Now, when Pilate asked that question, what is truth? I don't think he was looking for a definition from dictionary.com, right? I think he was asking that question in a more philosophical sense. Because for Pilate, and for a lot of other people, uh, truth is relative. It's something that changes to meet the situation that we're in. Uh, you see, he himself testified that Jesus was innocent, right? He says, I find no guilt in him. He testified there that he found Jesus to be innocent. And everybody knows that when you're before a judge and you're innocent, you go free, right? Well, that's the way it's supposed to be. And yet, Pilate justified condemning an innocent man to death to pacify the crowd, right? in order to keep the peace, which was a very uh, main priority in the job of a Roman governor, uh, job uh, security for a Roman governor, right? So his truth was this man deserves to die whether he's innocent or not. So, truth. 
Is it just this big flexible thing? Hmm. Truth in definition is the actual state of things, but in function, it forms the basis for how you and I live, how we see issues, how we interact with people, how we make decisions. Truth is critically important, isn't it? So where do we get our truth? Where do we get our truth from? Well, most of us growing up got it from our parents, right? And our teachers. And a little later from other sources like friends uh, and the news and other things that we read or heard uh, from our own experiences and our studies, right? We put all that into a conglomeration, right? That's where we get our truth from. But when you think of it, how many of those sources are impervious to error? None of them, right? They're all subject to being wrong, to failure. And with time, experience, and discovery, hey, at one time they all thought the world was flat, right? You sail to the end and... The whole world believed that because they didn't have any other perspective. And apparently nobody read the book of Isaiah because it talks about the circle of the earth. But anyway, um, it takes time for science to catch up with the Bible. So things that you and I think about it, once believed to be true, some of those things have changed over time, haven't they? With new information. It's almost like ripples in a pond. Okay, Think about throwing a rock in the pond. Our, our truth is, is that conglomerate, that collective um, knowledge and experience that comes to us through others' collective knowledge and experience that came to them from other collective knowledge and experience, right? All vulnerable to misunderstanding and misinformation. And all affecting the how we live each and every day. Wouldn't it be great to have a source of truth that really is truth? Truth that we can build our lives on with confidence. Truth that, uh, that we know we can make the best decisions for life, no matter what things look like, feel like, sound like, what other people are saying. Wouldn't that be awesome? Truth from a source that could be absolutely trusted. Truth by which we could filter out all the other voices that are all clamoring today. How many trust Jesus? Okay. Well, in his great prayer to the Father after the Last Supper, Jesus prays for his disciples, not only those at the table, but all who would follow along, which includes us. And he says this, praying to the Father, he says, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth sanctify them. What's that mean? It means set them apart from other people. That they would think and act different from the rest of the world. Sanctify them how? In the truth. So that they aren't living according to what feels good, what uh, you know, current opinion is on this, that, or the other thing, what sounds right, but what is actually true. And where is that truth found? Jesus said, your word is truth. 
your word is truth. God's word, according to Jesus, that we all say we trust, is truth, right? It is that solid information upon which we can build our lives, upon which we can walk in confidence, upon which no matter what things look like, sound like, feel like, what other people are, are saying, we know that we have that safety net around us. From the one source, from the one source, that is from the one source, the creator and sustainer of all things. Who made us, right? The one whose knowledge and wisdom and righteousness is beyond compare or dispute. And if you look not only at our world today, but all through history, um, any history, biblical history, any other history, you will see the decay and the destruction and the evil that arises in places that reject God's Word as truth. Where it's been replaced by the philosophies of men. It's since the 1960s when, you know, Prayer was out of school. The Bible, you know, turned away from We have seen more and more and more of that rejection of God's Word in the United States, unfortunately. Oxford.com defines a worldview as a largely unconscious but generally coherent set of presuppositions and beliefs that every person has which shape how we make sense of the world and everything in it. This in turn influences such things as how we see ourselves as individuals, how we interpret our role in society, how we deal with social issues, and what we regard as truth. Our worldview basically is this, how we think about life and how we live it. That's a worldview. Would it surprise you to learn that the vast majority of Americans today do not get their worldview from the Bible. According to the Cultural Research Center, directed by Dr. George Barna, you may have heard that name, uh, who has for several years done research uh, for the U.S. military, for Fortune 500 companies, as well as a large number of churches and parachurch organizations, the vast majority of Americans' worldview is, and I quote, a cut-and-paste approach to making sense of and responding to life. Rather than developing an internally consistent and philo philosophically coherent perspective on life, Americans embrace points of view or actions that feel comfortable or seem most convenient. Those beliefs and behaviors are often inconsistent or even contradictory, but few Americans seem troubled by these failings." Unquote. Now, I will be the first to admit that I am imperfect. I know, probably news to all of you, my wife probably knows a little bit more. I am not personally always 100% commitment or consistent, but I strive to be. Because the longer that I go in life, I have learned from the school of hard knocks that when I veer away from God's Word and I go my own way and I justify that, I end up in trouble one way or another. Maybe not immediately, but over the course of time, it's like, yep, I did it again, right? 
And I've learned that it becomes clearer and clearer to me what a gift we have in the Word of God. Not, 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 not a Bible full of rules so that God can keep us under His thumb. Right? It's not what it's about. This is the, the wisdom from a loving Heavenly Father who wants us to have our best life, who wants us to have the best quality of life, who wants us to not only receive blessing in our lives, but be a blessing to others, to build a society that blesses. Right? I mean, what are the big two? Love God, love one another. Can you imagine if those two things were the highest priority of every human being on the earth, what would change? I mean, seriously, right? We talked about that last week. We give rules to our kids. Don't touch that pretty red glowing thing on top of the stove. Why? Because we love them. So God has given us His Word, a gift to us, wisdom, how to live life so that you can have it. All right, so we've said that God's Word, God's truth, is being systematically rejected in our culture, further reshaping the American worldview, how we live, how we act, how we interact with each other. And, and can I say this too, as, as spiritual-minded people, we need to kind of pull back the veil as well and look at the big picture. Because this is more than just human philosophy that we're dealing with here. What were the first words of Satan to Eve in the Garden of Eden? Look at it, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words... Is that what God's Word says? He's lying to you. This is the way to go. This way is better. And that voice, that demonic influence, has been saying the same thing to human beings ever since, in every generation. Is that what God's Word says? He's lying. Go this way. Right? This is, this is more than just human philosophy. There is, we, we got to understand, ever since uh, the devil got kicked out of heaven when he tried to throw a coup, you can read about it in Isaiah chapter 14, um, he, he has set his sight, he knows he can't beat Almighty God, right? He knows he couldn't take over that throne because um, he got big pants and thought he could try. But uh, ever since then, he set his sight on the human race. He set his sights on those created in the image of God to reflect the glory of God. And he says, I'm going to shut them down one by one. And how does he do it? Same way from the very beginning. Is this what God's word says? Uh-uh. This is the way to go. 
Doesn't this just make more sense? Doesn't this feel better? Doesn't this on and on and on and on and on and on? Right? There's a bigger story here. So it is crucial for us as believers, crucial as followers of Jesus, to set our hearts upon the truth. Because you and I can be led astray, can't we? Because, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I know more than God does. Sometimes I, I, I no, this, this is the better way. This is what you should do. This is how this should happen. Anybody else? Put a hand on that. Right? Yeah. It's crucial for us to set our hearts upon the truth, the truth of God's Word, to build our belief system, our core beliefs, our worldview upon the Word of God, not upon human philosophies, not upon the enemy who says, uh-uh, this is it over here, right? Crucial for us. So that we can reflect His image as we walk in His ways as we live our lives on that which is solid and secure, God's Word. You know, we just observe Memorial Day when we remember those who gave their lives for the freedoms that we have in this country. Can we take a step even further back in history, starting with Jesus and the apostles, and remember those who gave their lives so that you and I could have this Word, right? gave their lives so that it would be translated in a language that we could understand and have this to read and to know and to build our lives upon, right? So I want to begin in the next uh, couple of messages here to look at some specific truths in Scripture, uh, truths that are coming under uh, uh, scrutiny, that, that, that are challenged in our society uh, like never before. We want to look at those truths. But, but I, I want to preface it with this today. Our third question, what do we do with truth? As Christians, as followers of Jesus, what do we do with truth? Well, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do with truth? Uh, remember, we said uh, as... as um, that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, right? That's what John 3 says. Let, let me make this statement. Truth is not something to be weaponized. We need to hear that as a church because we've, we've failed at this in historically, the church of Jesus Christ. Truth is not to be weaponized. You know what I mean? Um, for example, Jesus said in John 3.3, 3, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Right? That is truth. Truth from the Son of God himself. Right? God in the flesh spoke that truth. Now what do we do with that truth? Do we walk up to people, get right in their face and say, unless you're born again, you're going to hell? What does that do? Right? I mean, really, 
Um, having truth and knowing what to do with truth are two different things, and we got to get them both right if we are going to be salt and light in this world that you and I are in as Christian believers, as, as Jesus sent us into the world, right, to be salt and light. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6 says this, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Salt, what is he talking about? Salt is a preservative. Are you with me? Salt's a preservative. The Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and giving to us the ministry of reconciliation. How many people do you think we are going to reconcile to God when we aim the truth at them in argumentative, mean, and nasty ways? How many are we going to reconcile if we're being jerks about it? If we're being holier than thou, if we're adopting this, oh, we're right and you're wrong kind of a attitude and getting right in people's faces. and That's not the ministry of reconciliation. Is that what Jesus did? That's what the Pharisees did, right? Well, we're not going near those people. What did Jesus do? He ate and drank with the sinners tax collectors, the prostitutes, the unworthies, right? To show them that they were loved, that they were valued as people. He didn't condone what they did or anything like that, but he loved them. Right? Truth is not a weapon. Not at all. Our goal, our purpose is to reconcile people to God, not alienate them, if at all possible. We've talked about this before. There are some people, just because of your Christian faith and my Christian faith, that are going to label us as haters, and that's all there is to it, no matter how loving, compassionate, considerate, and respectful we are. But be loving and compassionate and respectful anyway to the best of your ability, as that's what Jesus has called us to do and to be. And we'll talk more about that before this series is over. So as, begin, as we begin to look at these truths from Scripture, the goal is not to use that knowledge as to, to, to win arguments or to spout off on social media. Amen? The goal is that we gain knowledge for ourselves, understanding for ourselves, so that we can develop our core beliefs, so that we can develop our worldview and walk in a way that brings honor and glory to God. Taking his loving wisdom into our hearts and lives and living that so that we can have the best life for ourselves and so that we can have a positive impact in our culture and our society. That's what we want. It, for, to change us first. Right? To change us first. And then um, impacting, interacting with the world around us. 
So, to boil it all down, what is truth? The actual reality of things. Where do we get our truth? Hopefully from the source of all truth, who has graciously written it down for us. And what do we do with that truth? We build our own lives upon it. And we lovingly win people to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your truth. Sometimes, Lord, we, we, we read it and it's like, yep, that's, that's it. Some things, Lord, in your word are hard for us. Uh, as we, in our own experiences, in what we see, what we hear, uh, things don't mesh all the time perfectly. Help us to understand, Lord, uh, beginning with the cross, that you love us and you have our best interest at heart. So draw us, Lord, into your word and help us to understand, to put our faith in you and that word that Jesus said is truth, that we can build our lives upon it and that we can take that truth and live in your ways and lovingly impact other people. We thank you for that. Bless us as we do it, Lord. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's, let's go back to prayer here for a minute. I just want to make sure, as our heads are bowed, Jesus did say, unless someone is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, that's, that's not a, a weapon. Uh, if, if you're here in the house today or listening online, the truth is that we all have fallen short of the glory of God. And, and, and the Bible never talks about these scales in heaven that somehow if the good outweighs the bad, we're okay. No, it says we've all sinned and fallen short. That's why Jesus came. To bear our sin, your sin, my sin upon that cross. To take it upon himself. To take the judgment for it. So that we could be exonerated. So that we could be forgiven so that anything in between us and God could be taken out of the way, so that we could start a new relationship with a loving God and really know, not, not keep a set of rules, but know Him. Know Him. And have a relationship that meets the deepest needs of our hearts. That's the truth. We can't get there on our own. Flesh and blood, Jesus said, cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. We have to be born again. What, what, what does that mean? That means when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he comes to live inside of us, that we are made new. His spirit and our spirit co-mingling together. There is, it's more than just a, 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 a relationship based on uh, two people 
understanding one another. It, there, there's a physical, spiritual thing going on that I can't, it's, it's still a mystery to it. But God and us connected at the very deepest level so that we can know Him, understand Him, understand His Word. And that's what God wants to have with each of us. See, it's not about going to heaven when we die. It's about being reconciled to God. And if you have not had that experience, if you have not come to the foot of the cross and said, Jesus, be my Savior, I invite you to do that right now. Open your heart. Say, Jesus, here I am. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Would you be my Savior? Would you come into my heart and life? That I would be born again. That I would see the kingdom of heaven. That I would enter into that relationship with you. And know what true life is all about. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus said if you open that door of your heart, he will come in. That's his word and his promise. And so, Lord, we thank you for answering those prayers here and online today. For making new creations. May each and every one, Lord, feel your presence. Know your voice. Begin to walk in that relationship. And we give you the praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.